Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, the power of ritual, a phrase that gets over 200 million hits on Google. Rituals are simply acts regularly repeated in a precise manner. Learning what works for you and creating a daily practice can be enormously impactful. Here to discuss the power of ritual is my friend, Carlos Greer. Carlos is a senior reporter for Page Six at the New York Post and host of New York Post Reports Off the Record on Discovery Plus. He also contributes to Extra as a special correspondent, and he previously co-hosted the nationally syndicated entertainment show, Page Six TV. Prior to joining the New York Post, Carlos covered music, pop culture, crime, and human interest stories as a writer for People Magazine. In addition to breaking celebrity news, Carlos has interviewed A-listers such as Jennifer Lopez, Rihanna, Janet Jackson, Justin Bieber, Oprah Winfrey, Jay-Z, Madonna, Kim Kardashian, and many, many more. Welcome, Carlos. Thank you. Hi, Barbara. Good to see you. It is great to see you. So this topic, the power of ritual, I'll explain to everyone, actually came up when you and I were just chatting a couple of weeks ago. And you mentioned, I think that you were getting back into running and that it's like as a daily practice, I think. And so we started talking about like how much doing something regularly, in our case, like especially in the morning, the impact, the positive impact it has. So I just want to double check. Did I, I didn't make that up, did I? I didn't just come up with an episode out of whole cloth. (laughs) No, you did not make that up. I called you for some advice because Barbara gives the best advice, uh, especially career advice, obviously. And uh, I think I called you, it was like right after I finished um, running and walking. So in the morning, I tried to run a few miles. Uh, I grew up running. I was a cross country runner in, in school and high school and track runner. And, um, you know, I, I used to run regularly, like, you know, I fell off and I started running again. And after my runs, I walk around the city. So I've become obsessed with getting my steps in. And so, you know, I try to get like 10,000 steps or so before I officially start my day. So I start off running on a track near uh, my apartment and then I, I walk around the city. It's, I like to wake up with the city, as I call it. And, um, and then, you know, I change my route and I, I run the bridges now and you know, it's just a good way to start my day. How do you find it impacting your day now? Um, I don't meditate, but it's kind of like meditation in a sense. Uh, it, it, it provides such clarity, you know, throughout the day. I work in a very, work can be a very, I work in a very stressful industry. And New York City can be, be stressful. And, you know, obviously this past year and a half, going on two years, has uh, produced a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. And so I like to start the day running, you know, with music in my ear and, you know, walking around the city and just, you know, like I said, waking up with New York, you know, it's a, it's a good way for me to um, sort of clear my mind, to get focused on my day. So it's very helpful. Yeah. I want to pick up on two things you said. So I am a dedicated walker. I love it. And to your point, I actually find it meditative. And as I've done more research, it, I mean, there are walking meditations that people do to begin with, but what I find is I lose myself in the walking and I get a lot of creative ideas that way. So it's just good as you were addressing, like getting the clarity, I feel the same thing, but I often, I actually often have to stop 
during my walks and and write notes to myself because I, I you know ideas come to me and I brainstorm and I think through things and so that's really powerful. The other thing you mentioned and what why this is a jumping off point to this episode is at any time, but certainly it hit home the last almost two years was your daily practice is something you can control when you can't control everything else that's going on. And it's a really important topic, honestly, for everyone, but I think it comes up so much for creatives, people who are freelancers, people who don't have the same schedule every day. And certainly obviously the pandemic threw everybody into disarray, but that comes up a lot when I'm coaching and I'll say, so what's your typical day like? And somebody will say, I don't have a typical day because some days I do this, some days I do that. And you really started uh, several years ago, really started to understand for myself and others, the power of like, okay, but if you start your day some way or wherever, by the way, many people use the morning, but there are also many, many super creative people who their rituals are at night because that's when they're they're most creative. doesn't really matter what time of day. My point was it's consistent and it's something that you can control. And that is really important. Absolutely. For me, I mean, mornings are so important because it sort of sets the foundation on how you want your day to go. And so, um, and running obviously is not the first thing I do in the morning. I mean, I actually pray first. So when I wake up in the morning, I say my prayer, drink my water, and then um, hit the track or hit the bridge running and then walking after that. So the walking part of it is also like a, um, my cooling down part, my come down. And like you said, walking around the city, I love New York City. And, you know, it's, it's inspiring. It also gets my ideas flowing as well. But, you know, most importantly, it just, it, it just, it's just, it just makes everything more clear. It's like my mind is clear, mm-hmm. I'm focused, and before all of the, all of the other stuff enters my head throughout the day. I'm with you. I actually pray the first thing when I wake up, and I, th- I think it was Mishi Marshall who is the first person who taught me this phrase. It was just wake, pray, slay. Wake, this is pray, how I, slay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, how I face my day. The other <laughs> I just want to toss in is in this conversation is that Mel Robbins, who's a big thought leader is really good on this one is to start your day the night before, meaning you just look at what's happening, what you, what you have on your schedule the night before so that you can actually set an intention for how you're going to approach your day, which I find really, really helpful because sometimes you look at your schedule and it's packed and it's like a kind of like a, Oh God, or, you know, you have a meet, something you don't want to do, whatever. Yeah. And then you can say, okay, I'm going to choose to reframe. I'm going to approach this in a different way. The other thing I want to ask, and we can move on, and I, I don't know if you can even answer this, but one of the most wonderful things about walking around New York when you live here and you're doing stuff on foot is the things you notice that it may have been there forever that you've never noticed before. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's so, so funny. And, and I, I moved here 18 years ago, and I, I always try to look up when I'm walking because it's like you never, you, you never actually look up. You're always looking forward to trying to just, you know, keep moving. But it's like, it's, it's, it's I don't know. It's one thing I always like consciously do. But the thing about walking is that for me anyway, it reminds me why I love New York. Mm -hmm. It it helps me fall in love with New York all over again, literally daily. Um, And I try to walk different neighborhoods. Um, I live downtown, so I try to walk all the neighborhoods. I go east, west, north, south, wherever. And I don't know. It just just makes me more appreciative that I, I live in this city. Do you have a favorite spot or like a current neighborhood or area that you're like, oh, this is magic right now? All, all of downtown. I'm a downtown boy. Um, I used to live in the East Village, and the East Village is still my favorite neighborhood. 
because obviously New York City is a heavily gentrified city. But even with gentrification in the East Village, it still feels like the New York that I dreamed about as a kid. It still has that bohemian vibe to it, you know? So um, you still get the diversity of Manhattan in that neighborhood. And so that's still my favorite neighborhood. Speaking about dreams, so you were a kid with a dream at some point who came to New York 18 years ago. Yes. Let's just take a moment to celebrate because you've accomplished (laughs) what so many people want to do and you've done it. Somewhere along the line, whether you realize it or not, there was some power of ritual. It's kind of fun to walk through how this started. Did you have, you know, family, friends, deep connections in the industry? Not in New York City. No, not at all, actually. And it's kind of funny that you you bring that up because walking around New York City, it actually reminds reminds me of that. You know, it's kind of like a, a hot, you know, mama, I made it type of feeling, you know, that saying, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And so when you walk around New York City in the morning, I do feel that feel that way often. And it's a good reminder of my journey. But I'm sorry. So did I have family? No, I did not have family connections in that way. I, I had family connections in journalism back in, I'm from outside of St. Louis, a small town called Allerton, Illinois. And growing up, how I got into journalism, my drama coach at my church, I was a Boy Scout. And so my drama coach at my church she was a reporter at KPLR, which is um, it's like the CW picks 11 in St. Louis. And so I was trying to earn a merit badge for Boy Scouts. had no idea what journey. I knew she was on TV. And it's like, oh, it's cool to like watch my drama coach on TV delivering the news. And I thought that was really, you know, obviously it's fun and fancy to like know someone on TV at a, our local television station. And so I was like nine or 10 years old. And one of the things I had to do to earn this merit badge, and I don't fully remember, but um, I did have to shadow. It was a, I think it was like a journalism merit badge. I really didn't know what journalism was at the time, but I knew she was a news reporter and it would be cool to shadow her. And so I shadowed her for a day and it was one of the most exciting days of my childhood. It felt like I was mm. on a set and I was hooked. Like just seeing her getting in the news van, going from... Um, covering story to story all day long. We weren't in an office and it was just exciting. I literally felt like I was on the set of an action movie. Her name is Kim Covington. So thanks, Kim Covington. And um, I, I was hooked. I was like, this is what I want to do. And after that day, I started attending various camps. I, I attended broadcasting camps at Bradley University um, in Peoria, Illinois. And How cool leaders, is that? It was super cool, and I, I, and we, you know, we did our, um, gosh, I'm trying. It's it's so long ago, but anyway, it was really neat. It was really cool and fun, and we did our. I felt like a little male Barbara Walters at the time covering. I th- I covered a, a coffee shop. I think it was called like One One World or something like that, and we did a whole like package and everything. And my mom probably has a VHS back home somewhere. I haven't seen it in a very long time. But um, so I would do that. And then in high school, I, we, I was fortunate enough to attend a school that hi, had a high school paper. And so I was the features editor for that paper. And I was hooked on the news. You know, at the time, I always wanted to cover entertainment and celebrity and pop culture. And I was hooked on MTV news. And I wanted to be an MTV news correspondent, you know, not a VJ, but an MTV news correspondent, because I wanted to cover pop culture and interview musicians and cover politics at the time. And I would literally, I would, you know, recite their uh, tagline in the mirror, you know, stay tuned for more news at 10 to the hour, every hour, 
right here on MTV. So that was the start. That was the very early start of my interest and uh, journey into journalism. And then I went to Syracuse for a year. So the plan was to go to Syracuse for years and then move to New York City and work as a journalist. I got to Syracuse. I there was they have this reunion every four years called Coming Back Together for Black and Latino alumni. Basically, what it is, it's they come back to the campus and there's all these panels. So there are a lot of fancy folks like producers from The View, New York Times writers and and Nickelodeon producers, all this, all these people that I'd never thought that I would be in the same room with being from a small town outside of St. Louis. And I was like, OK, I got to get to New York right away. And so I Googled a school and Marymount Manhattan College popped up because I missed all the deadlines, so I tried to transfer to NYU. And so I Googled a school because I just wanted to get to New York and start working. I don't recommend that. I recommend, you know, actually experiencing college, which I did, but in a different way. So I Googled a school, Marymount Manhattan College on the Upper East Side. They had a great sort of night school program, a lot of night classes and stuff like that. So I got here and immediately started interning. So I interned at Media Bistro and J. Walter Thompson at two internships when I got to New York City. So J. Walter Thompson, the advertising company, because I just wanted to get, I wanted to start working. I wanted to work in media somehow. And so that's how I got my start. Okay. I, I can't tell you how detailed notes I've been taking while you were speaking. This is incredible. So I just want to do a recap for everyone's listening. One, you set an intention at a very young age, whether you realize it or not. Like, I want to do MTV News. I want to combine pop culture and news. That's incredible that you actually set an intention and you said it out loud and you manifested by repeating the MTV news tag. This is incredible. The other thing too, is to go back to, this is really powerful. And whether you've ever stopped to think about it, Carlos, you know, talking about the power of ritual, the fact that you grew up praying every day. So prayer is probably the most powerful ritual right? And not only is it a consistent practice, but the other thing is the spiritual component. So it keeps us grounded and it keeps us going during when it's hard. And no, absolutely. I mean, you know, I never, I never pray for material things or anything like that. Like my, it's all, it's always very spiritual based and, mm-hmm. and, um, it, it, it's, you know, I, I, I pray to erase fear and to not worry and to build faith be stronger and to um always believe you know and 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 to find my purpose and to find my joy and so and 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 lately i actually um i tend to someone told me that i should pray to like my ancestors and and people who have passed and so i've started talking to my grandmother more when i pray and so yeah but no it's beautiful that, that was that was a strong foundation for me that's the point of this conversation is how powerful this is as a foundation and how it impacts us. And then with that, you took a dream, made it a goal, and then you took action. And here you are as a result. Incredible. So we can go in different directions. So what I was curious, in addition, who else has inspired you along the way or said something to you that you know made a difference in addition to? You know, honestly, I, it's a, it's, a, it's kind of, I mean, it's not cheesy. I, I'm inspired. I mean, New York City inspires me. People inspire me. You know, that's why I feel very fortunate to be able to tell stories. You know, I, I, I really am. I'm inspired the moment I walk out my door. I love 
interacting with people. I love listening to people. I love just watching and seeing people operate. And New York City is the best city for that. And, you know, and I, I, I love and crave entertainment and pop culture. I feel like they're some of the most courageous people because how can I put it? They, I mean, they give themselves to you. They're literally like a blueprint for, you know, an entertainment if you're watching. They're the blueprint to be inspired. It's easy to be inspired by. I, I can't explain. I can't really. No, you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, and I, I think it's actually a really wonderful thing to note because a lot of people who do it successfully make it look easy. And, and yet as humans, we know we, you know, so many of our vulnerabilities and insecurities are universal. And so this means somebody got up and put themselves out there no matter what. Right. And, and even if you have a tremendous amount of confidence, it takes a lot to put yourself out there, especially now in a world where everyone has an opinion and it's really easy to criticize no matter what. So your point's really well taken is, is the gift that that is, that you're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to overcome my fear because my opportunity to impact or inspire is greater than my fear. That's a beautiful thing. Can I ask, what's your typical day like and how has, I'm going to stack questions, which I tell people never to do, but I want to know, it's like, what's a typical day like for you and how has um, working from home impacted? Because it was a thrill, again, just to talk about this, when we were developing Page 6 TV, gosh, six, seven years ago, it was so thrilling for me to like visit the newsroom back in the day. <laughs> I, I don't, it, I mean, it's like my day, it, it changes, it varies. It depends on what, what's happening, what kind of scoops and news I get. It very much is a newsroom is very much an office. That's what it is. I don't find it to be that glamorous. You're at your computer, you're on the phone. Um, I guess the glamorous and exciting part of the, of the job is that you do have access to go to these events and to experience New York City and life like a lot of people don't. You are you are on the front lines of, of making news and making history and, and living it and covering it and telling those stories. And so the exciting part of it is that you do get to go to these events and meet incredible people. But the bulk of it is that you are in an office and you are, you know, making calls and, and calling your sources and trying to get as much scoop and news as you possibly can, unless you're like a a city hall reporter or a city reporter and you're out, you know, covering uh, events around the city and different uh, things happening around the city. But Okay. Sidebar, two things you said that are really powerful. One though, is the understanding that you, the proactivity that makes you successful at your job, because uh, many younger people don't understand you information comes, you proactively call sources. You create sources. Your job is not just interviewing celebrities. You ask questions. I, I meant because many people who are newer to media don't understand the thing. It's like it comes off the AP wire and that's the news and we just read it. And what makes you so successful at your job is actually having sources, original reporting, actually finding out what the story really is. And that you may be like, but that's, of course, that's what we do every day. And I'd say as somebody, as a talent executive working in the space across many, many disciplines, that is more and more rare. Again, you probably take this for granted, but I never understood how much news comes out of being a court reporter because legal filings are where you find out everything. Mergers, acquisitions, divorce, real estate. I think it's fantastic. And so that's just a hot tip for someone who wants to break in, who didn't know, like, I feel like an ambitious person could run with that. 
No, absolutely. And it crosses over into so many different sections. It can being a court, court reporter. But, you know, just going back to the sourcing part of it, especially during the pandemic, you know, the fact that there aren't, because obviously I write for a gossip column. So events are crucial and important to our coverage. But sources, more more so than anything, and that's, and that's any kind of journalism that you do, whether you're working, doing hard news or doing entertainment or gossip, source, sourcing, sources are the heartbeat of of journalism and news and how you get your your stories and scoops and it's it's important to cultivate them to build trust with them because obviously you want to be able to trust your sources you want them to trust you and it can make or break a journalism career that goes back and reminds us this is a relationship driven business which our good friend bevy smith is really great at explaining so we'll give a you know, quick is, plug yeah. to bevelations um, but that, and again, it's easy to forget that because people think it's a, it's it's about doing and the skills are really important and everything that you do and your talent's so important, but it really is about building and maintaining relationships, which is key. Can I also, again, sidebar, but explain the difference between gossip and rumor? Again, something else I learned from working on Page Six TV, because rumors are rumor. Gossip is news. It's just news about people. And that's why you do check sources. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and. Gossip can start with the rumor, but you hear the rumor and you have to report it out and you, you have your sources that you call and and you got to do a lot of vetting and then, you know, gossip becomes news. What's the story you're most proud of? Oh, the story that I am most proud of. I, I mean, that's hard to really, that's hard to answer. I can talk about, um, I can talk about some of the bigger stories that I have covered that's been sort of fascinating to be to be oh yeah whatever like whatever was great or like you know or the or the thrill or or by the way but who lived up to expectations i get excited when i when i get the opportunity to meet people i grew up listening to like i told you earlier i love music and pop culture and i grew up wanting to be an mtv news correspondent and so when i and i and i love divas from like the 80s and 90s mtv video era and so you know interviewing janet jackson or interviewing Madonna or, or seeing Mariah Carey or, or any of those people or, or I've never interviewed Michael, but I get excited about, you know, meeting people like that and interviewing people like that from that, that era. How do you personally manage the inner, I don't, it's, I don't even think it's an intersection. It's the collision of professional and fan because it bubbles up. When I interviewed Janet, it was very, that's like the only time that I really like had my recorder. I was like shaking. <laughs> like, um, I, you know, I think when you cover entertainment and celebrity, I think it's important to be a fan. You know, it's, you want to be professional, of course. Like there used to be a time time where you would never take photos with uh, celebrities. I took that very seriously. Now I regret it because like now we're such a photo driven society where you need that photo or else it didn't happen. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's important to be a fan because you want to appreciate and know who you're talking to. But it's also important to remember that you are a journalist and you are they're they're using you to tell their story and you want to you want to tell their story in a very non-biased way you know you don't, so you don't you you want to get to the truth i mean the whole bottom line is always trying to get to the truth of whoever you're you're covering i'm fortunate enough to have worked sort of like everywhere so like my first job my first real job um like as in non-internship I uh, worked it real simple and I also, I freelance. No, actually my first job was Entertainment Tonight and The Insider. I was an intern there and then I was a freelance production assistant. And then I started working at Real Simple and I freelanced for people before I joined the staff at People. So I interviewed a lot more celebrities at People, a lot more musicians. And then at 
peak six, obviously it's a gossip column. So it's, a, it's more scoop driven than celebrity interview driven. And so one of the biggest events that I covered, um, I remember my first time covering the VMAs it was right after Michael died. So yeah, Madonna opening the show, Janet opened the show. And it was that year that Kanye interrupted Taylor Swift and no one knew Taylor Swift at that time. And so we were all stunned. Everybody was stunned by what happened. And I, and I, I forgot, I actually interviewed Taylor backstage. Um, I completely forgot about it until um, we talked about it on, on page six TV because it was a 10 year anniversary. But I remember everyone was stunned. And, you know, Beyonce gave her her moment on stage when she won an award and she called Taylor up on stage to um, give her her moment. And so now I remember everyone was still stunned by what happened to Kanye. And I remember running up again, running. This is back when I had uh, the cojones to to just not care. And now I, I, I probably wouldn't. Actually, no, no, I, I would still do the same. Anyway, I like accosted Beyonce backstage. I ran up, ran up to her when she was exiting the stage. She was backstage with her publicist, and I asked her, "You know what made you do that for Taylor?" And she was speechless because no one. I mean, that's what happened that night. Everyone was still speechless, where she couldn't even fully process what had just happened that night. And everyone was still processing, and it's like your adrenaline is running, and you're trying to like get an answer from her. But it was a really, um, it was it was a moment. It's an incredible moment. And then you start to think now, I mean, stuff happens every day, but access is different now that artists, because of social media controlling, have a different level of control over the delivery of their messages. I meant just like your access and, and would there be, well, certainly from Beyonce, there'd be like many more people between you, <laughs> like literally a wall. There. I mean, they were publicists. I mean, she had people around her and they shut it down. I somehow got I mean, she wasn't like in a press area. Like I somehow ran around and, and, and I, if I remember correctly, she was literally coming off stage and I somehow found her. She had people with her and, her and and her people actually shut it down immediately. How do you navigate all of that? And what is, and what, and how are you feeling inside? Cause you need those relationships with the artists and the publicists. Meanwhile, you're doing your job. Meanwhile, it is a thing that you emotionally have to deal with in real time when somebody shuts you down and how to switch on and off from like even taking that personally. How do you walk away from that? Like what is, what is the process? I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about this business. Like you said, it all, uh, it all evolves around, revolves around relationships. And what's cool about it is that you have publicists, you have producers, you have print reporters, you have broadcasters. And we're all kind of in this little media family together where you just get it, you know? And it's like, and in a moment like that, when you're making decisions, it's, 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 it's an out-of-body sort of adrenaline-fueled experience. So even for me, even for Beyonce, even for the publicist to even think like, okay, get this reporter away from her because she's so stunned in the moment where, you know, she doesn't want to say the wrong thing perhaps, or, or maybe she doesn't know what to say when you have something like that, a, a live TV moment like that happening. I think everyone is just like running on adrenaline and it, that actually is what makes it exciting. So it's not, it's not personal. And I, and there's this, there's an understanding of that. I think with everybody involved. Carlos, you're a gift. I hope that you'll write a book one day or that you'll certainly come back and share more. <laughs> there's a lot to share. And it's, it's, it, and it's weird when you, when you do it for so long, you don't really sit I mean, that's the, that's the great thing, again, about like walking around New York City where you can like just process or walk anywhere where you can just like process and think about 
your life, you know, just, just think, you know, or whatever you want to think about, but just take a moment to really just think. I guess that is meditative, but. No, but uh, those are great words to end on. Just take a moment and think. I love it. So I want to say thank you to you, Carlos, and thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. I would love to hear from you what your daily rituals are and how they work for you. So please skip on over to ableintermedia.com and shoot me a note. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. 